0: Who is this man has been our theme through this year. Today I want to focus on who Jesus is as the goat, the greatest of all time. He is the greatest of all time. Now, I realize that somebody's going to challenge me on this and say, no, he's the lamb. So not trying to play on words here. Of all the lambs, he's the goat. He's the greatest of all time of all the lambs as the sacrifice that covered us for our sins. So thankful today that we're serving the one who is greater than anyone else, anything else in the whole universe. He's the greatest of all time. In every walk of life, the debate will never be concluded in our lifetime as to who the goat is in various aspects of life, like basketball. People debate it all the time. Who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time? Is it Michael Jordan? Is it Wilt Chamberlain? Some are like, who? He's the only one that scored 100 points in an NBA game some years back. Bill Russell, is it LeBron James? Is it Kobe Bryant? People are gonna debate who's the greatest, and different ones have different opinions. We're not gonna all agree. In baseball, is it Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle? I got raised in my house, my dad loved Mickey Mantle and therefore he became a Yankees fan and bought me into that because I enjoyed what he enjoyed and Mickey Mantle, one of the most amazing players ever. But then there's also Willie Mays, say hey Willie Mays. There's Hank Aaron, Derek Jeter, Right now, people are starting to debate whether this current player might become the GOAT. Shohei Otani from Japan. He pitches and hits home runs. In a game recently, he pitched eight innings of a nine-inning game, gave up one run, they won the game, and he hit his 40th home run in the season in the same game. Nobody does that. Like It's just bizarre almost. Is he the GOAT? People will debate these things. In football, who's the GOAT? Is it Johnny Unitas? Joe Montana? It's in our world here, for sure. Or Jerry Rice? Is it Tom Brady? (laughs) Don't Don't get division going on here. I'm not trying to cause trouble. Is it Walter Payton? Is it Peyton Manning? Is it Gail Sayers? I grew up loving Gail Sayers and then that movie Brian's song about his player, teammate, Brian Piccolo. It's the saddest movie and the greatest movie. I cry every time I see it, whenever it comes on. Among authors, who's the greatest author? Is it Leo Tolstoy, Charles Dickens, Shakespeare, Mark Twain, George Orwell? Is it C.S. Lewis? Edgar Allan Poe, Dr. Seuss, <laughs> is it Ernest Hemingway? People debate who is the greatest of all time, and we're not gonna all agree. We'll have different opinions about that. Among singers, is it Aretha Franklin, Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, Prince, Stevie Wonder, Paul McCartney? Whitney Houston, Johnny Cash, Joni Mitchell, is it B.B. King, is it Andrea Bocelli? See, we're gonna be all over the map on this too. We're not gonna agree, but who's the greatest of all time? Among painters, is it Michelangelo, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, Monet, Picasso? These are some amazing skills We won't agree on who the greatest of all time is. Among world leaders, is it Alexander the Great, Winston Churchill, Julius Caesar, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Napoleon Bonaparte, George Washington, Martin Luther King Jr., Nelson Mandela? Who's the greatest world leader of all time? We're going to have many opinions about that. Among female leaders, is it Condoleezza Rice, Sandra Day O'Connor, Madeleine Albright, Angela Merkel, Anne Frank, Queen Elizabeth, Catherine the Great, Rosa Parks, who's the greatest female leader of all time? One of the things we won't settle are any of those questions that I just posed, but I would like to settle one who is the greatest of all time, of all, ever. That shouldn't be hard for us to settle that Jesus is the greatest of all time. He always has been. He is today. He always will be. And that's what gives us comfort coming here. Why, do, why can we all agree? We've got varied opinions about so many things. We can't agree on just about any topic in play today. But I propose we can agree on this. Jesus is the greatest of all time. That's why we're here. We're in agreement on that. We're in unity on that. Let's stay where we're in agreement and focus our attention on who he is and what it means to follow him and let his light shine through us. John one, verse one, scriptures revealed to us who the greatest of all time is. In the beginning was the word And the word was with God, and the word was God. We're talking about Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not anything made that was made. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. When I read that about Jesus, it reveals to me that he's the greatest of all time. He created all things. Nothing that has been made was made without him. He has made everything in this universe. He made you, he made me. He spoke this planet into being. Everything that exists exists because of him. He's the greatest of all time. There's darkness in this world, but he's the light and the darkness has not overcome the light. Jesus is the light who always overcomes the darkness. He is now, he will tomorrow, he will forever be the overcomer over all things. He is the greatest of all time. Who is this man? Jesus is God. He created us, he created light, he is the one, there's no one like him. As we follow Jesus, the limitations that are brought on us By our sin, by the fall of man, by the darkness of this world, when we come to Jesus, that darkness gets removed from us. He breathes light back into us. He breathes life back into us. We overcome the darkness by his grace, by connecting to Jesus. You wanna have what you need to overcome any challenge that you face in this world today? Come to Jesus. That's why we're here today. The more we can connect our spirit to his, We find the victory that we need. He's the only one that can give us overcoming power over every challenge that comes our way. He overcomes death itself. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? No, Jesus has bought our redemption and our future and our resurrection to a new life and to a new body and to everlasting life in his presence. Only Jesus, only Jesus can do that. There is no other way. He's the greatest of all time. As we follow Jesus, the limitations that are brought on us are removed. This past week, I heard a statement from A.R. Bernard, the pastor of Christian Cultural Center in Brooklyn, New York. Listening to an interview that he was doing, and he made a statement. It almost seemed offhanded, but... It grabbed my attention and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I heard it. It's a part of where I feel my spirit communicating from here today. He's a brilliant leader, an astute theologian. In his story, he came to faith in Jesus as a young man after being raised in the faith of Islam. He was a part of the nation of Islam. And yet, God touched his heart. He had a change of belief, accepted Jesus, and went full-fledged into study of God's truth and became a leader. His church in Brooklyn has thousands of members, and he's a world-changer kind of a person. He's one of the brightest theologians of our current time. He made this statement, your theology either starts with the fall or it starts with creation. If it starts with the fall, the fall of man when sin entered the world, you tend to see society through the lens of depravity of the human person, and you build from there. It leads to redemption, but you are conscious mostly of that depravity. Start with the fall, we think how broken we are all the time. When you build from creation, he said, you begin with the good that God intended for human society, And that becomes the foundation for you to build on. You realize that what God created was good. He said it was good. He created you for good. That's his intended purpose for you. And when your theology begins with what he created as good, and then we learn as Jesus came and redeems us to that goodness, that he then says to us, we can do good. We're to do good for all men. We are to be good. He gives us the power to do that. We actually are able to be restored to our original purpose and who we are intended to be. When we are theology starts with the goodness of God's creation, we get a different view of ourselves. That brokenness the enemy intended, he tries to do harm to us. All the darkness that reigns around us today in this world doesn't have power over us. No, my theology begins with creation and the goodness of God and that he redeems me to that created order. And what he wants to do in me is to change the world through me as well because it's his power in me that will do it. I'm no longer that broken person. Let's see ourselves in that light. Genesis 1 and verse 1, let's go back to the beginning and see how it's described in this holy book. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, nothing existed and God brought it into place. Verse 26 in that same chapter, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. He even introduces here the reality of the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. God the Father, God the Son. We read in John 1 how Jesus is God, and he was there speaking the world into being with his Father and the Holy Spirit. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. What's that say about you? You're pretty special. Start your theology with the creation and what God thinks of you and how He created you in His image. You bear the image of God. Verse 31 And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Everything God created is good. Before the world was formed, God was. Before the sun, moon, and stars lit up the sky, God was. Before the first flower bloomed, God was. Before the first fruit grew on a tree, God was. He's before all these things. He created them for beauty, for amazing experience for us to enjoy. Before the first wing of an eagle flapped, God was. He created this beautiful creature. Before the first muscle of a gazelle leapt, God was. Before the first gill of a fish opened, God was. Think of his creativity, of the mastery of his abilities, There is no one like him. Jesus is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. We need to reunite with the one who is, who was, and who is to come and realize that he's created in us his goodness, and through us his goodness will shine. That's who we are. Are you worried about your future? Get connected to Jesus, and those worries will begin to diminish. Are you challenged with the things that you're facing with all the divisions going on in the world? Let's unite in Jesus and find that in Him we're made one and we're made good and we can find a common good and we can change the world by His goodness. I'm here to sign up for that. Before that first golden sunset, before that first drenching monsoon, before that first crash of thunder. Before that first gust of wind and before that first fall of snow, God was. Before Adam experienced breath in his lungs, before he experienced grass beneath his feet, before he experienced light in his eyes, before he experienced taste on his tongue, before he experienced sound in his ears, before Adam ever laid eyes on the beauty of his wife Eve, before they walked, talked, laughed hugged, kissed, loved. God was. He created all things. He created us for good. Before the first family, before the first house, village, or government, before the first anything, God was. We need to come back to him. We need to get connected to him. He is everything we need. He was. He is He is to come, and with him we have everlasting life and we have abundant life while we're here. We need to reclaim that goodness that the enemy has tried to steal from us, that darkness that tries to insidiously Creep up on us and choke out the light of us. This is the enemy's work, but we won't stand for it. That's the lie of the enemy. The truth of God is the darkness cannot overcome the light. The light always, 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 the light always. Did I say it right? The light always, always overcomes the darkness. When we unite ourselves with him, we have confidence in whom we believe. Our goal in life is to get back to the purpose for which we were created, get back to the nature of God. Three things I want to share about that nature of being connected to the goat. The good of family. The good of family. We have a father who is perfect. In this life, in the natural life that we live, we all have flaws And we're seeking to have those flaws healed by the nature of a good and holy God. That's why we want to keep learning about him. That's why we want to keep worshiping him. A lot of things happen when you worship. You might consider joining the worship team. You get your aerobics in even while you lead worship. I love that. The bass guitar was over here and then the bass guitar was over there and The electric guitar was over here and then over there and then back over here again. Like Those are, are, you get a lot of things in in worship. We're getting our flaws worked out, connecting ourselves to God, and the good of family is so important. In this life that we're living, what I'm hearing too much of is autonomy. Don't tell me what to do. I have my rights. Nobody's going to tell me what I do. It's the American way. It's the Western way of thinking. It's the Constitution of the United States that gives me my liberties and my freedoms. And we start to put some of the things that we've learned in this life ahead of what we need to learn in this life. Do you remember what this is? This is a Bible. In it, is the revelation of the God who created us. In it is the revelation of who we are. In it is the revelation of how we work out our flaws, our sins, how we get healed and cleansed and whole and what to do once we are. Somehow we've allowed our American ways to overcome our spiritual ways. We need to get back to this book. We need to get back to what we can agree on. We're putting our foot down for our autonomy, and we sing Bon Jovi, It's My Life. Or we sing Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And we think that's honorable. We think that's cool. We think that's what America's all about. You can't tell me what to do. And we forget that we're a part of a family. The good of family is that we have a God, the Father, who is able to instruct us and show us how to live. When we are growing up in a family, we have parents that give us guidance. We don't always like what they ask us to do. We want to set our foot down and say, I'm going to do it my way. And we get ourselves in trouble if we don't follow the guidance that loving parents have for us. The family is a good gift of God, and we're connected to a holy father who's perfect in all of his ways. And when we line up with him, he'll show us what to do, and we'll stop claiming our rights, and we'll start claiming what he has given us the power to do. In the beginning, God, that song plays a radically different melody. In the beginning, God, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How does your heart tend to respond when you're required to submit to the authority of someone else? It's a good question. Sometimes we have anyone try to tell us what to do and man, this crazy thing rises up in us. Don't tell me what to do. Hearing that every day right now. Don't tell me what to do. I got my rights. In what ways did you forget about the presence and plan of God this week? Existing as if you were an autonomous and independent being. Not going to have anybody tell me what to do. What about God? He's the one we need to ask. What do I do, God? Show me what to do. How do I live right now? There's so many voices and so many divergent opinions, and now our world is in complete chaos Our culture is in complete chaos because of the conflicting voices and who's going to trust which one. People are picking what voice they want to listen to and often they're not vetted out in all the appropriate ways, but somehow we glom on to that particular thought that we have been convinced is the way. And we're listening to so many cultural voices that we stop talking to God. I find myself so disturbed by all the noise that I have to train myself to get back to center, get back to this book, get back to worship, get back to the holy place. This week when we came to Wednesday, man, things were raging, all kinds of challenges, all kinds of dissident things going on, and all I wanted to do really in my heart was, I wanna pray, and it was taxing and I was tired, and by the time we got done with the prayer meeting, I thought, Thank you, God, for that moment in the middle of this week, because I feel good now. I feel centered now. I feel like I got his spirit back in my heart. I can't wait for Sunday, because there's going to be so much noise between that prayer moment and the next worship moment where we're corporately together that I hope it doesn't cloud out the peace that God wants to give me. I find peace in him. I find peace in his word. I find peace in his presence. I find wisdom from what he wants me to do. And I need to stop listening to what everybody else is saying. It's crazy out there. I'm going to get back to the goat. Everybody's got their own opinion about who the goat is in other, uh, every other avenue of life. Like, it's just endless. Let's get back to the one who really is. Say, God, show me what to do. The good of absolute truth we find In our relationship to the goat, the good of absolute truth, people want to say to each his own, really? There's a God who created you and created me, and now we want to say, thanks, I'm off on my own. That's what we get ourselves into trouble with. That's how the devil became the devil. Beautiful created angel, amazing position in heaven with God. Like, I want to be him, to each his own. I'm going to be me. I'm going to do my thing. You can't tell me what to do. Anytime we get to the place where we don't want to ask God what he wants us to do, we're in darkness. That's what brings evil. To each his own is an evil way of thinking. No, to each belongs to God. And God, who knows all things and loves us all equally and beautifully has a plan for how our lives will flourish and I need to ask him what he wants me to do there's absolute truth in him if God was here in the beginning in the beginning God if God was here in the beginning and if everything in the universe belongs to him because he made it then what he says is true there is truth there is falsehood and there is no open catalog of equality for valid ideas. God's truth is the truth. How does your heart tend to respond when someone criticizes or argues with your actions or your views? I don't like it. I think I've got good opinions. But I need to just dial it back and say, God, I want to be with you. You show me what to do. In what ways did you comp- compromise or Minimize the truths of God's word this week. He showed us what to do, and we don't want to do it. In what ways are we wanting our autonomy? Are we wanting our independence? Are we wanting I, I did it my way mentality? That is such a dark way to live when God, who knows us, who created us, who created us for good. You created all things. When we went down a litany of things that he created, and man, that's a short list of the millions of things that he's created. The majesty of God, what he's able to do, what he sees. He can see what you and I can become. I'm gonna start my theology with the creation and realize he's got some great plans for me and I can't wait to see what he's gonna tell me to do. Last, the good of dependence. Self-sufficiency deludes us into thinking that we have everything within ourselves to pursue whatever it is that we want to do. There's a good independence. I'm dependent on God, the one who created me. I'm dependent on Jesus, the one who died for me. I can't get where I need to go without him. And that's a beautiful dependence. It's wonderful to have people in our lives that we have dependence on. We're not able to do things on our own. It's one of the things I love about doing family in God's church. There are people around me all day that I'm collaborating with. I'll share ideas. Please tell me yours. We talk them out. Sometimes I have an idea that I get talked off the ledge from because it was not the right idea. And others collaborate around me. That dependence on one another is a beautiful safety net. That's the Bible. There's wisdom in the counsel of many. So I'm going to get many people around me to counsel me so I make sure that I'm not going off on a tangent in a way that gets me in trouble. I want to get the right people around me. I want to get the people that have expertise in various fields around me to teach me what to do. I want to hear their voice. I have friends in my life that I keep going back to consistently that keep me on the right track. I have doctors that I talk to. I have professionals in all kinds of fields that I consult with. I love it to get their wisdom. The man who's a physician who started the Mind Institute studying autism, I ask questions about in regard to the current realities of the day, and he gives me wisdom on how to think it through. And I get a a consortium of Help in my life. And there's always somebody who's got some other idea out here, but we can find the right path when we are dependent upon the sources that God gives us that are honorable and that are appropriate, that he has lined up for our welfare. God is able to lead us in the way we should go. If God is a source of life and we are a result of his life-giving creativity, then we're completely dependent on him for life, for our identity, for our meaning, and for our purpose. Not only that, we're dependent on other people as well. I need you. You need me. We're in this thing together. We can figure this out when our heart's toward God and our heart's for each other. How does your heart tend to respond when you can't accomplish something on your own or when someone else proposes a more successful alternative to yours? I want to love that. I want to go, thank you. Thanks for helping me out. Reflect on how your day-to-day existence is dependent on both God and other people. How can admitting weakness be a strength? When I recognize I'm weak, that's what makes me strong. In my weakness, he gives me strength. When I call on Him, when I'm dependent upon Him, it's the beauty, it's the good of dependence. I'm getting back to my created reason for being and purpose in life. I need God more than anything else in all this world. And I need Him to lead me to right thinking. How sweet it is to consider that the Creator will give us the grace we need to live as He has designed. He wants to show us. Here's the key truth. Jesus is the greatest of all time and he calls us to follow him in doing good for others. It's what he did. He did good for others. He calls us to line up with his spirit and purpose. Let your theology begin with creation. You were created and called good. You are created for his purpose. I want to end with this scripture, Matthew 22 When we are asked, asking him, what's the greatest commandment that we should follow? This happened to Jesus in Matthew 22 and verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. That's what we're here doing right now. I'm here to love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. That's what I came for. I want to connect to him. That's what I need. I need him so bad that I want to pursue him with everything within me. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If I get back to my created purpose and my theology starts with creation, I realize he created me for good and to do good, to love him with all my heart, soul, and strength, and then to love people around me. What am I here for? Am I here to put my foot down and go, you can't tell me what to do? I have my own rights. I've got my own position. Or am I here to say, God, what do you want me to do? How can I help the people around me? How can I serve the people that are in need? There's people out right now from our church out giving out 400 bags of groceries to people in need. That's the gospel. That's the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. What else can I do to love my neighbor? How can I make sure that my neighbor is safe? How can I make sure that my neighbor hears the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What can I do to do good for my spouse, for my children? What can I do to do good for you? I'm here for God and then others. It's not about my rights, my this, my that. It's about, thank you, God, that you've redeemed me, you've saved me, you've placed your spirit in me, you've made me good, you've redeemed me from darkness to be good again. Now with that goodness in me, help me to be you in this world. And greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friend. God, help us to lay down our lives for one another and to make sure that we're letting your light shine to dispel the darkness, that's in this world today. Father God, we trust you to give us your grace to forgive us, to heal us, to give us power for this world that's just out of control. Help us to find our peace and to find our place, giving life to the darkness around us. If you need his grace in your life, just ask him for it. Pray this prayer, Jesus, I believe in you. I know I need forgiveness. Come in my heart. Wash me and cleanse me. Restore me to my created purpose. Thank you for that. Creating me for good. That's what I want. I want your spirit in me to do good. So I can do good. In Jesus' name, I want to follow you.